So, and the, sorry, let me just catch my breath. <laughs> <laughs> this always happens, does it? <laughs> I know. We always have a point where we're like, oh God, okay. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh my God, I can't breathe. I'm not breathing anymore. My voice teacher would be so upset. <laughs> okay. Uh, how do I feel? <sighs> Tired. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Poor Unfortunate Podcast. I'm Connor Perkins. And I'm Caroline A. Meddy. And welcome, officially, to Season 2, everyone. Welcome to Season 2. Thank you for hanging in there. We really appreciate it. We started the season out with a bonus episode for spring and Easter. And then we did our little guest episode on Book of the Mouse. If you haven't listened to that, make sure that you go to Book of the Mouse Club on whatever podcast app you listen to and check that one out. That sort of subbed in for our episode two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. But here we are with our first full episode of season two, our first rant and rave. And honestly, I could not be more excited that we get to do it. We're back again. We've cycled all the way through and are beginning again. Yeah. Fresh as a daisy. So if this is the first time that you're listening to one of our episodes, welcome. We love having you. Please make sure right now to hit follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast. That way, all of our new episodes get downloaded right to your device so you never miss anything, including any of our bonus episodes, announcements, anything like that. And then if you are a returning member of our Poor Unfortunate fam, welcome back. We Yay. love you. If you haven't hit follow or subscribe, I don't know what we did to hurt you. Or if someone else did that and you're putting it on us to be responsible for that. But please do not. And please hit follow or subscribe because we we love you. We love you. We see you. We need you. We want you. Want us. Choose me. <laughs> Love me. <laughs> to quote Crazy Anatomy. Oh my god. We are we are off the rails right at the beginning. Oh I'm sweating right now. <laughs> <sighs> um great. So, you know, let's just jump in to some quick news, Disney news and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, um, I mean, there's there's been a bunch of happenings, of course, since the last time we did a full episode. Um, but I I figured I would jump off today with something that is fresh news from today when we are recording, and that is we got a very in depth look at the new Disney Cruise Line ship, the Disney Wish. And so I sat down and I watched the little tour. And let me just give you a quick little rundown about what is going to be happening on this ship because I am not okay. <laughs> um, so it's going to be launching in summer 2022. Here are some of the things that are on board. We've got the Aqua Mouse, which is a water slide, sure, but they're considering it an attraction at sea because it will be 760 feet long and it will have actual show scenes and like a plot. Okay. What? Like, oh my God. Yeah. With, with Mickey Minnie, it's like a Mickey short plot. 
Amazing. Um, there's going to be a Walt Disney Imagineering Lab for kids to play in, which I'm like, how can I get in there? Um, I'm a kid. <laughs> yeah, right? Kid at heart. The Walt Disney Theater on this ship is going to be themed like a magical forest. There will be two original shows that are in development right now, and they will be re-debuting the Aladdin, a musical spectacular show that used to be playing in Disneyland, which was so good. There's going to be Star Wars Hyperspace Lounge, which is a Star Wars bar. When you're looking at space out the window at the back of the bar, like amazing. What? Yeah. Okay. Now, Connor, prepare yourself. Buckle your seatbelt. Oh, no. There is going to be, whoo, baby, an adult exclusive dining area, like land, all themed around Beauty and the Beast. Fuck. So there are going to be two restaurants and a lounge. So there's the (gasps) Rose Lounge. Ah! Yeah. Then there's going to be, they've had Palo Steakhouse on other ships, but this one is going to be themed around Cogsworth. And then there is going to be Enchante, which is going to be themed around Lumiere with like a Michelin starred like restaurant. It's, (laughs) it's bonkers. It's not okay. Um, Okay, here are the other restaurants on board. First of all, they showed some of the, the the staterooms, and you will just pass out over those as well. One of the restaurants is going to be Arendelle, a frozen dining adventure, which is basically wow. frozen dinner theater. So there will be live performances from, you know, Anna and Elsa in the center of the restaurant with, like, Nordic yes, cuisine. Yeah. Yes, please. Yep. Then there will be 1923, which will be of, like, you know, vintage, you know, <gasps> Walt Disney-inspired restaurant oh and then there will be the world of marvel restaurant which will be like there will be a plot line to your dining experience and everything and that's just some of the stuff (laughs) y'all this if we don't make our way onto this ship somehow (laughs) we have to stowaways i've never gone on a cruise before let alone a disney cruise cruises okay okay take away the pandemic I think cruises are the bomb. The <laughs> fact that you sit down at your dinner and you don't have to pay any extra money and you can order whatever you want, that alone for me, I'm in. Then there's also, I mean, there's plenty of adults-only sections on this cruise ship. There's adult-only yeah, pool. That. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Give me away from the children. <laughs> <laughs> so that a news dropped today and I just thought y'all needed to know that. Yeah. And then... Disneyland opens tomorrow. We're recording mm. this on the 29th. So by the time you're all hearing this, Disneyland California will be open again. Yeah. Which that's really big, exciting mm-hmm. news. And they released their little promo video that made literally everyone on the planet cry, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, typical Disney. <laughs> We've got some other big things happening in Disney. I mean, Cruella's coming out on Disney mm-hmm. Plus at the end of the month. They did that whole announcement of all of the movies that are going to be on Disney Plus, Premiere mm-hmm. Access. Luca got a new trailer. Mm-hmm. Luca's going to be on Disney Plus regular, not even Premiere Access, which is kind of nuts. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Falcon and Winter Soldier just had its season finale, mm-hmm. which I still haven't watched the season finale because I'm a horrible person, but this show is amazing. Okay. I mean, like, WandaVision tackles, like, grief, depression, mm-hmm. and then Falcon and Winter Soldier tackles, like, racial inequality, Mm. imposter syndrome. Mm. It's insane. Like, what the kind of themes that they're tackling in these series. It's it's wonderful and it's amazing. So Falcon and Winter Soldier had its finale. 
Loki is up next. I mean, we're just going right yeah, in we through really all are. these. Mm-hmm. So, but they're they're they've all been such quality series. But yeah, no, there's just like a lot happening Disney wise, yeah. and it's also been like a month since we've done this segment. So. There's so much that you probably all know. This is incentive mm-hmm. for you to make sure that you're following us on social media. Yes. Because that's where we're going to make sure that you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. On a personal note of like things that have been going on mm-hmm. with us, Caroline and I have a new apartment. And yeah, we we're do. going to be moving back in together. So in just a couple <laughs> weeks, you're going to start getting episodes from the two of us recording together in person. So who knows what those will be like and prepare yourselves. Yes. And then Connor became an uncle. Yeah, my my little sister Shannon, she oh. had her baby and I'm I'm so excited. Oh I introduced God. this baby to Amazon Prime the other day. <laughs> I told him about how we're going to go to Disney and I'm going to make sure that he's strapped to me so that we can keep the pace because that's really important. Y'all, it's going to be He's just the smoothest, awesome. sweetest, peachiest little baby I've ever seen. Yeah, he really is. He really is. <sighs> so, it's been it's been quite a time. Yeah, yeah. Quite the a times time. they are changing. Big wheels yeah. keep on turning. Alrighty, so let's go ahead and get started with this episode. Yeah. As I said at the beginning, this is our first rant and rave of season two. We started out the first season with a sort of take of some recently defunct Disney attractions. This, in some ways, kind of harkens back to how we started it's season a tribute. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in a different sort of way, yeah. we're both going to be talking about Disney parks today, which is something that usually we don't like to do. We don't like to sort of dominate it in the parks world. But we're approaching this from this different perspective of things from Disney parks that are associated with our childhood that are not there anymore. Mm -hmm. So no one can experience these anymore. So we're all in the same boat here. No one can feel left out. These are all gone. And... We're going to reminisce about them. So Caroline has the rant. Yeah. I have the rave. We're going to start with the rant because mm-hmm. we like to end on a happier note. Though this is sort of weird <laughs> because <laughs> I'm going to rave about something that I'm glad is gone. And you're going to Yeah, but that means that there was a happy that... ending. That's, that's yeah. There was a happy yeah, ending true. to that that's thing. that's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. We love yeah. a happy ending. Yeah. All right. Caroline, take it away. Here we rant. go, baby. So my rant today is about Disney Quest. Y'all. Heck yes. Disney Quest. So I'd like to call this rant Disney Quest. Do it or don't. Okay? So this this is a multifaceted rant. My main rant about Disney Quest is that it should not have been closed as a concept, but in the state it was in, it was a piece of crap. And I'm very upset with Disney for letting things get to the point that they did with Disney Quest. But Let's rewind a little bit and just get some history on how Disney Quest came to be. I actually didn't know a lot of this. Yeah. It's interesting stuff. I feel like a lot of people don't even know what Disney Quest even is. Yeah. So let me jump to that part of my description because I have. So what was it? (laughs) If you don't know, the funny thing is, 
Lots of Disney guests had the same question on the day that Disney Quest opened. Disney had not done much advertising about this five-floor, 100,000-square-foot building that was suddenly in downtown Disney. The original concept art that had been released showed a much different exterior from what we ended up getting, which was this big blue block with an abstract Mickey on the front. Um, The original concept art showed a possible monorail connection to downtown Disney. It was very colorful, a little bit futuristic. It was really nice, but I digress. So what Disney did say was that Disney Quest was the ultimate interactive adventure, and it was conceptualized as an indoor interactive theme park. Most likely, and more than most likely, really, we know why Michael Eisner specifically was pushing this. It was to compete with the Sega DreamWorks collab that was called GameWorks, and these were popping up all over the country at the time, in the 90s, um, yeah, and around and the, the world. Magic Quest started happening, too. Yep, and then, like, all, like, Jillian's, Dave & Buster's, these were starting to open up. Yeah. I rocked Magic Quest in Myrtle Beach. That oh, I've never been shit. to one of those. Never been to one. Yo, okay. Mm. In another series, okay. <laughs> we'll yeah. talk about Love. Magic Quest. Love. <laughs> so, before I go back in the history, now where Disney Quest was standing, Disney Quest closed on July 2nd, 2017, and was demolished to make way for what is now the NBA experience in Disney Springs. R.I.P. So, yeah, Disney Quest opened on June 19th, 1998 in what was then Downtown Disney's West Side. When Downtown Disney was still divided into the Marketplace, the West Side, and Pleasure Island. So it was operated by Disney Regional Entertainment, which also ran ESPN Zone. ESPN Zone, I believe, is still open at the boardwalk, but I think a lot of the other locations have closed. So eventually, Disney Regional Entertainment turned control of Disney Quest over to Walt Disney World Operations around 2001, and we'll get to why that happened. Um, So Disney Regional Entertainment was only created in 1996 so that Disney could dive into the world of mall entertainment established by brands like Dave & Buster's. Shout out to my previous workplace, Dave & Buster's. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, while also being able to bring the Disney brand across the country without having to spend the money on building additional theme parks and bringing it to people who couldn't afford to fly to California, fly to Florida. And yes, Michael Eisner was a smart idea at this time. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Brilliant. Get into as many parts of these markets as you can. So Disney Regional Entertainment's first project was actually called Club Disney, which was like pretty much just like Disney Chuck E. Cheese. The five that opened did not have the success that Disney wanted, but once they closed, Disney decided that the addition of things like VR and a little bit higher tech stuff than just an arcade play-centered experience might make all the difference. So the Florida Disney Quest on Disney World property was meant to just be a prototype, like a tryout of what was yeah, going like to be a, a flagship. Ch- yep, not but not even a flagship. It was even it was even lower quality than a flagship. It was just like it's a tester. Oh. And we're going to we're going to examine why they really this was a throwaway for Disney. Yeah, um, they which shot was, the bet on this. Yeah, they did. And that and that's part of why there wasn't a lot of promo beforehand and people didn't know what it was because they were trying to keep it under the radar. And I'm like, "Well, what did you expect would happen then?" So, yeah, yeah no, no, makes no sense. So it was going to be a chain of Disney quests across North America. A Chicago location did open on June 16th, 1999, but it closed only two years later on September 4th, 2001. A Philadelphia location was announced that was going to be on Market Street, and they, like, 
demoed the space and it never happened. There were also locations in discussion for Toronto and on Disneyland property, but those never even got past the preliminary planning stages. So after all that mess, here's what Disney Quest was actually like. <laughs> here's what was inside. And I would, before I begin, would like to give a shout out to Defunct Land. Defunct Land has a great video on Disney Quest, especially if you want some visuals to go along with this, because some of it is very hard to visualize if you never got to go. <laughs> it really it's is. It's a unique space. <laughs> it is like nothing I've ever been to. Yeah. It's in many ways like some of these other things, like the way that I think of like Magic Quest which, yeah. Caroline, you don't know, no. but it's it's beyond that. It was yeah. really freaking cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, so here's what it would be like when you entered Disney Quest. So you enter the complex through the first floor atrium and took a magical elevator, the Cyrolator, to the third floor, and your little trip was hosted by the genie. Then you would enter a world of virtual reality experiences, classic arcade games, food options, and more. So Disney Quest was divided into four sections. The Explore Zone, Replay Zone, Score Zone, and Create Zone. These were not separated by floor, but existed vertically up and down several floors. So you would enter yeah. to the third floor and then there would be different like gateways to the different zones. The gateways were so awesome because they had these pillars that had busts of like Disney villains yeah. and stuff like that on them. And then there was like a legit cave of, cave wonders, of wonders that yeah. you would walk through. Yes. It was so freaking awesome. Oh, so I'll mention it now. I did not know this. It closed shortly thereafter. But when Disney, the day the Disney Quest opened, there was a Cave of Wonders slide <gasps> that would take you to another floor. But they closed what? it. Yeah. Too cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So let's go through these zones. I'll talk a bit about what I remember from the two times that I went. And I'll tell you about what was what was in them. So let's start with the Explorer Zone, which I think was the best zone for sure. Oh, for sure. So one of the attractions there was the Virtual Jungle Cruise. So Oh, my God. This sort of took place in the same universe as the Parks ride, but there were dinosaurs? There were dinosaurs. So you sat were. in an inf- Yeah, you, there were dinosaurs. You sat in an inflatable raft and paddled with actual paddles that had sensors attached as the raft moved along with the screen on what was like a giant like air mattress almost that would like bob along with the water. It was, yeah, it was on uh, hydraulics. Yes, water sprayed you. Yeah. Um, I remember waiting in line for forever for this attraction and it being over way too fast, but it was really fun. We squealed and squealed I the whole time. I walked right onto that one. Oh. <gasps> When I went, let me tell you, I waited on so many damn lines. Like, oh my goodness. I When I went to it, so I'm, I guess I'm just going to say this right now. My family, we never went to Disney Quest, like as a family. Mm -hmm. No one in my family has gone except for me. And the only reason I went was because I went with a choir field trip where we did hashtag Disney Magic Music Days. Yeah, you did. And we were supposed to spend one of our days at Typhoon Lagoon. But the weather was too cold that the park was closed. Mm. So they turned all of our tickets into Disney Quest accessible vouchers as like an equivalent to a water park. Mm -hmm. And so that's the only reason why I got to go to this place. And so it was in like March in the off season. And this place was basically like our school's playground. There was like not a whole lot of people there. Oh, that's amazing. And we just went nuts. It was awesome. But the reason that you were able to go is another reason that the idea, the concept of a Disney quest should exist. It's necessary. Sometimes you got to be inside and you need somewhere to go. So I'll get to that. 
Another attraction in the Explore Zone was Aladdin's Magic Carpet Ride. I remember when I visited, only a few consoles of this attraction were even operational. Um, and the graphics were already looking hella old. Yeah. Because it was one of the attractions that was open on the day that Disney Quest opened. It was like how they advertised the idea of Disney Quest because you wore a head-mounted VR display and you sat on something that kind of looked like an early version of the Flight of Passage vehicle. You rode yeah, the Agrabah to find gems. Yeah, kind of like a gems. speeder from yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. So you rode through Agrabah to find gems to release the genie from the Cave of Wonders. The cool thing was um, you'd be able to, like, see your teammates in the game with you. Like, they would appear as different, like, colored abus almost. Um this, like I said, this is one of the main attractions used to advertise Disney Quest. I remember the area that this attraction is in is so beautifully themed as Agrabah, yeah. like very cool. But even by the time, the first time I went, it was not in good shape. It was hardly available to use. The graphics were bad. So, eh. like I said, there used to be a Cave of Wonders slide. They closed that. Boo. The other, the uh, really the main, the big stuff was on the Explore Zone. So then there was Pirates of the Caribbean Battle for Buccaneer Gold, another VR game. So one person in your party captained the ship while the others manned the cannons in order to sink other ships and steal their gold. And then the ghost pirate who hosts the game comes back at the end and you have to fight him and his ghost ship and his ghost skeletons and keep your treasure. So this all takes place with you standing in an actual ship hull with physical cannons and then you're surrounded by the VR screen and you're wearing 3D glasses. It was was pretty damn awesome. Fighting ghost really pirates cool. at the end scared the poopy out of me when I was younger, and it was it was <laughs> yeah. amazing. Um, but again, another really long line. I remember like we really waited for that one, and so this attraction also this replaced the opening day attraction, which was Hercules in the Underworld. So that took over that attraction in two thousand, and in Hercules in the Underworld. Each player on your team took on a character. Someone was Hercules, someone was Meg, someone was Phil, someone was Pegasus. So you journeyed throughout the underworld, uh, gathered lightning bolts while looking for pain and panic, and once you found them, you find a minecart full of lightning bolts, which you then ride to Hades' lair. As Pegasus pulls the cart, you throw lightning bolts at Hades and defeat him. That sounds fun to me too, honestly. And, well, that's also because you get would get to play Meg. I, You'd be like, I'm play- I'm Meg, I'm Meg. <laughs> oh yeah, that that would have caused a family fight back then for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then another attraction. This was not open when I was at Disney Quest either. Are we sensing a theme here, people? Okay. Oh. So this was Treasure of the Incas. Um, you maneuvered actual remote control cars through an actual maze using a steering wheel that was above the glass-covered maze. Each car had a camera attached that would feed into the monitor that was at your steering wheel, and your goal was to pull up to treasure and collect it. But as time passed, as technology in the world began to develop, cell phone signals started interfering with gameplay, and the attraction closed after one of the vehicles literally burst into flames. (gasps) What I would pay to have been a guest on that day. (laughs) Can you imagine that's your car and you're like ready to finish <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to win. And it just goes. <laughs> oh, that would be one of my best memories of my entire I life. Know. I know. <laughs> Hot mess express. Wow. All right. Next, we're moving on to the replay zone. So this was, this section mostly contains standard arcade games and a prize center, but it also included my hands down favorite 
part of Disney Quest, which is Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blaster. Okay, so you boarded these plexiglass covered bumper car-esque vehicles. They could seat up to two people. You could go into them alone. You would drive your vehicle over asteroids, quote unquote, which were just big Nerf balls, pretty much little cannonball things to load them into your vehicle. And then you would shoot other vehicles with them, like aiming on these like little targets on either side of their vehicles. When you were struck by one of these asteroids, your vehicle would lose control and (laughs) spin for 360 degrees for like 10 seconds. I will never forget the just pure joy I felt riding this, smashing other people with asteroids, spinning out of control. It was amazing. It is an awesome concept unless you go with people from your school and you are like one of the like popular like class favorite choir kids and then they all sort of subconsciously decide that they're just going to target you the entire time so all you do for the duration of the ride that you just stood in a line forever for is spin around in a circle I was livid. I was livid. But also I'm like, I get it. I was kind of obnoxious. That is such a high school feeling. I can't even. It is such a high school thing. I was just, I was getting so frustrated. I was like, God damn it. I was so pissed. I think after I finished that, I'm like, I'm going to lunch. Yep. Yep. I could totally see that. Oh my god! I was blasting strangers, so it was a, it was a, it was just yeah. Strangers is is definitely more fun. Also, how fun would this be now to go with your friends and just go and play this with your friends now and smash them with these asteroids? It would be amazing. I'm telling you, like they should have had Disney Quest like after hours, where from like 8 p.m. to midnight, it's adults only, Mm -hmm. and they serve drinks. Oh yeah, that's that's the way to go. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Anyway, let's move on to the score zone. All right, here we had the Mighty Ducks Pinball Slam. So in this, players would quote-unquote become pinballs by standing on platforms that you would move back and forth to control the pinball game that was happening on the screen in front of you and that you were playing that with like 11 other players. Fun, fun. I think I played that. It was fun. Then there was, I do not remember this one. I have no memory of this. I'm sure I would have played it, so I don't think it was open. Um, then there was Invasion, an extraterrestrial alien encounter, so based on the past Magic Kingdom attraction. Um, so you worked in a team of four to fight aliens, kind of the same concept as the Pirates of the Caribbean thing, where it's like you're operating something manual, but there's VR screens around you. So there'd be one driver, three shooters, and you'd be, you know, trying to kill the aliens pretty much, and that was it. Don't remember it. I don't know. Okay, then there was Ride the Comics. I remember this vividly. So (laughs) this was the most hilarious thing to watch your other family members play because you were, you you know, they would bring a group of people onto the platform where the game happened and you would perch on this little tilted stool thing that wasn't really a seat, but you would be trying to perch your butt on it. And then you would pull this like suspended VR headpiece on and you would have a saber And in the game, you're fighting villains. But to people on the outside watching you, you're, like, (laughs) leaning awkwardly, falling off this stool thing, like, just, like, throwing your sword around, looking like a complete (laughs) fool, swishing at the air. But it was really fun. It closed in September 2014 to make more room for seating for the food court. And to that I say, oy vey, because, sure... By then, like everything else in the building, it was getting a little outdated. 
but it wasn't as bad as, like, the magic carpets of Aladdin, so why was it closed? It was one of the most fun things in the building. Slash also just, like, get some people to update the graphics. Please, please, please. Okay, we're about to get there. We're at the Create Zone, okay? So here we've got Cyberspace Mountain, where you you built your own roller coaster on a design kiosk, and it was hosted by Bill Nye, which is super fun. And then you were loaded into a pigeon roll simulator to ride what you created. I never got to do this because the lines were so long. Never got to go on it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get to do it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't get to do it because the lines were too long. And that's like the one thing I wanted to do. Yeah, me too. Because I used to do the... Disney Imagineering Ultimate Ride Coaster Deluxe Simulator on my oh, computer. Yeah. Where you'd build your roller coaster mm-hmm. and then you'd ride it. And then I would like load my sisters into like a desk chair and I would move yes, the I, chair around I to make them feel too. it. But I was so wow. pissed because that was like the thing I wanted to do the most. And it was the thing that yep. I didn't get to do. It's And it was the big ticket thing. And you were, by the time that Disney Quest closed, you were paying a pretty penny to be there. So. Pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, the Create Zone. We also had the Animation Academy, which was 18 guests sit at computer desks and learn how to draw a character with a light pen on the screen. Fun. I love taking the animation classes. Um, But then it was like you had to purchase the drawing at the end of the session if you wanted it. Oi, are you serious? Ew, no. If you go to Hollywood Studios, you can take the animation class and you do it on a piece of paper and you take it with you. Yeah. Um, There's going to be a theme in the Create Zone because then we've got Sid's Create a Toy. So you used a joystick at one of the consoles to choose random toy parts from Sid's room to create your own toy, which as a kid, that's so cool. That's amazing. And then the toy could be purchased later in the day. Okay. I mean, that's kind of cool that you get to like create a toy and you can take it home with you. But like, I'm sure they were like, you're going to pay us $50 for this toy that like cost us $3 to Mm -hmm. make. And I'm sure so many poor children left brokenhearted because they made the coolest toy ever. And then they couldn't, their parents were like, no, I'm not buying that for you. (laughs) Okay. Then we had Magic Mirror. So this is like, you know, sure, for 1998, probably super cool. But it's a kiosk that takes your picture and then you could use the program to cartoonify yourself and purchase the picture. (laughs) Okay. So this closed in 2005. Makes sense because at that point, like, you know, you could do that maybe not on your phone at that point, but on your computer or something. It wasn't exciting anymore. Again, closed for additional seating. They didn't do anything. When they closed attractions, they left them there just rotting away or just an empty space with nothing. Yeah. And in that space, it was weird because, like, you'd walk by it and, like, it would just be, like, an area where the lights were turned off. No. Oh, my gosh. weird. Dude, it was spooky. Okay? You'd have I- one area that's, like, hopping and then this one area that's just sort of, like, you know, the section of Chuck E. Cheese that's, like, yes. closed down temporarily. But yes. it was closed forever. <laughs> by the time this place closed, even before then, when we went, which I went in the early 2000s, like, 2005, I think. It was getting spooky already. It was getting run down scary, which leads me to the Radio Disney Song Maker. So these kiosks allowed you to choose a song style, um, a singer, lyrics, and more to create 2 billion combinations to come up with your very own song. And you could, you guessed it, purchase a CD of the song. Yeah, okay. this was popular with the choir kids and they would purchase oh, yes. the CD. Yes, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> So I'd like to lead this right into everything that was going wrong at Disney Quest um, because I watched... Pretty apparent. (laughs) 
I watched <laughs> a video that y'all have heard me mention Tim Tracker before. If you don't know who that is, he's a Disney World vlogger. He's got his own YouTube channel. I love him. He went to Disney Quest a few days before it closed in 2017. There was hardly anything left going on in there, which was insane. But one of the only things that he did was the Radio Disney song maker. It was the stuff of nightmares, y'all. It was la- it was like a joke. It was I couldn't believe that Disney allowed you to pay to do that. So it was like hilarious because it was bad, but not for $45 a day. Yeah. That's the stuff that they do in like other theme parks, like Hershey Park. Yes. I that's yes. Not, that's not Disney. That's not what Disney does. Yep. Before I fully jump into that, I just want to also say that, you know, there were food options here. There's Food Quest. Okay, there was the Cheesecake Factory Express for a while. And then there was the Wonderland Cafe. So Food Quest was just an extremely generic food court. It really was. Wonderland Cafe at least had some theming. They had desserts and coffee. They had computers in the booths, which for the 90s was probably super amazing. They were internet connected. That's cool. The exclusive Cheesecake Factory Express that was there closed in 2008 because Cheesecake Factory had expected to be the food supplier for all the Disney quests that were going to open across the country, and then they never happened. And so they ended their contract with Disney, and they bowed out. I would, too. (laughs) I think I ate at Cheesecake Factory Express, and it was still there. And I remember clearly that they barely had anything on the menu. And at the time... I was so excited to be going to Cheesecake Factory because that was like a big treat when I was a kid. And like, yeah, they hardly had anything. That's my memory of it. So already in like 2005, 2006, this place was falling to pieces. Okay. Okay. Which leads me to why the hell did Disney phone this in? I grant you, it was a very bold step. Even in the 90s, Disney had to have known that investing in VR and video game technology would be a risk. It requires constant updating and lots of money. But they didn't even pretend to update this place for even like a little while. They opened it as a tester site and it shows. And okay, let me start with this. You brought up the design, those those busts of the Disney characters. Here's, here's my confusion. I have no idea what the hell is going on in here designer theme-wise. I understand. Oh, no, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it makes no sense. And I understand it's like if we're basing it off of the, you know, Dave and Buster's model, it's a little generic. But, okay. So the lobby of Disney Quest looked like a museum or like a hall of fame with busts of Disney characters on the pillars and a domed sky ceiling that had, (laughs) this cracks me up. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious written around the rim as if it was like an inspirational quote or like a quote from like the Constitution. I don't even know. (laughs) Um, And then in the center, we had this abstract Mickey head sculpture that like kind of echoed the ugly one on the exterior. So I don't what's the theme here? And then, okay, then the genie is chosen as the mascot of Disney Quest. But how does this match up with the aesthetic that the lobby has established? Then you arrive on the third floor and there's like a random telescope-like thing as if you're in a museum. I mean, to me, it's very clear to me, they just wanted to get this place up and running as quickly as possible because they were in a competition timeline. I get it. But one of Disney's signatures is the ability to blend different worlds in a seamless way. Disney Quest feels like a mess to me. The idea of the zones is a good idea. But the overall complex needs some kind of theme. Like, what's the idea? Like, the overall, just the lack of commitment is so obvious in the design. Considering that the genie 
didn't even remain in the elevator until Disney Quest closed. They became regular elevators in 2011. Yeah. So that's that's literally all that kept happening at Disney Quest. Ideas that stopped working were just abandoned, like the Cave of Wonders slide. So, okay, for that, who knows if there was a safety issue there. But whimsical elements and really cool things that you're like, wow, I really want to. Yeah, I want to slide on the slide. They were abandoned. Like I said, I watched Tim Trekker visit a few days before the complex closed, and it was like scary ghost town vibes. There was a giant Pinocchio head from an abandoned section just still staring at you from the wall. Absolutely not. No. Like, and part of the reason <laughs> no. that the Chicago location did not succeed was because people didn't like the way that it looked on the street. Coming from Disney, that's unacceptable. Disney yeah, really is beauty is. And, and grace. And this was not. The other problem is maintenance. One of my most vivid memories from Disney Quest is not being able to go on the attractions I wanted to go on. Whether because they weren't working, or only a few kiosks were open, or the wait times were just impossible. It's, listen, I worked at a Dave & Buster's, so I know that games break on a constant basis. It's a part of the deal. But I kid you not, like at Dave & Buster's, you press the help button and someone came to fix the game in a minute. But like, no, that's like part of the thing of running essentially an arcade. This is a virtual playground arcade. Maintenance and having an IT person there to fix the games as they break, that's the thing. Like, they don't operate the Magic Kingdom without engineers on site mm -hmm. to fix Splash Mountain when one of the boats sinks with guests in it. That's how you like, work on hiring the staff, is you just account for it. And they did not at all. So Disney Quest cost an adult $45 for the day by the time it closed. Multiple unavailable attractions and busted equipment is totally not acceptable. And you know what? And aside from the fact that from the maintenance perspective of things being broken, that's completely not okay. But then we have the issue of things becoming dated. Like, much like the design of the entire place, Disney never made any efforts to update the attractions outside of, okay, they changed Hercules to Pirates. That, to me, is wild because I would understand if an attraction in Disney Quest becomes dated, you close it, you replace it. Disney instead would either let the attraction rot away in all of its dated glory, I'm looking at you, Aladdin, or they would do the equivalent of just like throwing a drape over the area and letting it sit there like a ghost town. If Disney was not willing to keep up with the technology, I really don't know why they bothered. Disney Quest in Florida, this is the thing, it wasn't an abysmal failure. It was open for years. So to me, money loss was not an excuse. If you were going to keep it in operation that long, you had to have done something. And, and really, they did nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So the saddest part to me is that they didn't go out on a high note. Seeing the state of the complex a few days before it closed in that Tim Tracker video was so sad to me because it was so wildly below Disney's quality standards that it kind of scared me. Screens were just turned off, not working. Food Quest had like no food available. There was just like bottles of water and like a bag of chips or something. It was fully not okay. Yikes. So the fact that they, they waited till it was at that point to close it is so wrong. But the other part of my rant here is that there is a place for this kind of entertainment in Disney. A Disney Quest concept is great. As you've heard us say before, 
We are personally all for Disney outposts all across the country. But I'm also okay with it just like, you know, being attached to the parks. Yeah, it sucks that it's an additional admission fee, but having a solid indoor activity, as we talked about with your school trip, is so necessary. Whether it's a rainy day, it's a cold day, or you just need a rest day where you're in the air conditioning out of the heat. Or it's just a mix-up. It's something different. Yeah. People didn't know that Downtown Disney was a place that you could spend a day. My family being one of them, Mm. we would always just allocate like an evening or like half a day to just do the marketplace stuff, not really considering Downtown Disney as a full place for a family to spend an entire day. And having Disney Quest there is a real asset for the entire property. It Mm -hmm. keeps people there. It keeps them spending money on the property in that area. It helps pull some attendance out of the parks just so that you can balance things out. To not really invest in this is a real loss for Mm -hmm. downtown Disney and for all of the Disney parks in general. It was a real contender, but people didn't have any idea what it was. There was never any indication on the exterior of that building. They never added anything that was some kind of hint. (laughs) Like, Like, even if it just said, like, Disney Quest, an interactive indoor theme park. Mm -hmm. As a kid who was interested in, like, video games, technology, and stuff like that, I would have at least had my interest peaked and be like, what is that? I saw Disney Quest, and it was towards that, like, sporty kind of area. Yeah, the west side was, at that point, was a little empty. Yeah, Yeah, and I'm like, this is in the area that I go. So I thought it was going to be a sports thing, and I'm like, I don't give a fuck about Uh sports. So no thank you. I thought it was like an extension of Wide World of Sports It did look like like that. that. Yeah, it looked like it could have been that. The circles of the Mickey kind of looked like a basketball to me. It did, it did. I was like, this could be like a sports ball. I don't want to do a sports sports ball. ball. (laughs) Oh my god. So we know that virtual reality and gaming and virtual creation, these are part of the best and most popular attractions in the parks. We have Toy Story Midway Mania, Flight of Passage, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, the Droid Depot. I love that it's a part of the park experience, but I would also love a place to go with just interactive experiences like those. They're fun. Interestingly, there were Void VR, which is like a you know a separate company. They do virtual reality gaming experiences, locations in Disney Springs and downtown Disney, and they've both closed permanently this summer. But it seems like it had to do with some kind of contract breach thing. It wasn't because people weren't going. So interestingly, people were willing to pay $35 for basically one experience. There was a Star Wars one and there was a Wreck-It Ralph one. But both of these properties are begging for VR and games. But I I just sadly, I can't see Disney ever reinvesting in another big venture like this again. And I understand this is not like my feelings about the great movie ride and the way that Disney needed to just take a breath and spend some time and money on the updates. This was at a dead end, but it was completely Disney's fault. And Mm -hmm. it was avoidable. Yeah. And, And another thing that just rubbed me the wrong way about this whole thing is that I don't like when Disney plays the keeping up with everybody else game. It, it, it makes me sad when I watch Disney race to compete with Universal and DreamWorks because it usually ends up creating a product that is not very Disney and a little bit messy and confused. And I think a lot of this was the place that Michael Eisner was in in the late 90s. Disney Quest felt a little bit like dark and dank and at the end it was just straight up like pathetic. And it is so not Disney to offer up 
a tester prototype thing to guests as a finished product. But that got me thinking. What if the concept of Disney Quest or whatever could be its substitute became just that? A tester, a prototype thing. So a lot of technology from Disney Quest was eventually refined and put in the parks. So what if the new Disney Quest type center was treated as a lab? with you getting to come in and test out, quote-unquote, new Disney technology. That would allow Disney to kind of skimp on the decor because they could just make it look a little bit industrial or like a lab. And then guests get to feel like they're insiders. And Disney has excuses if things don't work or if things are imperfect or if things need to change or if things become dated. You get rid of it. Or who knows? Maybe something that's Kingdom Hearts-esque. There are just so many I know you would love Do that. Do not invoke Kingdom Hearts. I know. I know. Oh my God, How cool would I that would be? Die. Yeah. I would people, die. Come on. There are there are so many options. Anyway, the bottom line is this shouldn't have failed. Number one, because they are Disney, and number two, because you committed. You decided you were gonna do it. So what happened? It required so much work and money, yes. But Disney can supply both of those things. If any company can supply those things, it's Disney. So that's my rant. Could it have stayed the way it was? Absolutely not. It was a trash heap. But the idea was great, and they phoned it in and threw it away, and it makes me really sad. Yeah. (sighs) Disney really done fucked up that one. They really just, they didn't even try. They didn't even try. Yeah. Well, speaking of Disney done fucked up with something, (laughs) I have another childhood memory, but this is my rave because I am glad that this is gone. Okay, yeah. Because it really wasn't supposed to be here for very long in the first place. Mm. So my rave is about an entire themed land of the Magic Kingdom in Florida, in Walt Disney World. This is Mickey's Toontown Fair. TBT. So, if you've never been to Disney World before, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's not there anymore. It's gone. I'm going to give you a little bit of history about what it is. So, I'm going to preface by saying that Yesterland.com's Yesterworld Magic Kingdom section gives a really nice overview of the history of Mickey's Toontown Fair and their articles, especially on the Toontown Fair train station and Goofy's Barnstormer. So a lot of my research that I've done in putting all of this together is coming from their work, and so I just want to give credit where credit mm-hmm. is due. So thank you, Yesterland. All right. So Mickey's Toontown Fair opened on June 18th, 1988, and it premiered as Mickey's Birthday Land. So already (laughs) we're starting off strong. (laughs) Eye roll. Uh, (laughs) Essentially, it was built as a temporary themed land to celebrate Mickey's 60th birthday. So this was the 60th anniversary of Steamboat Willie's premiere. It was tucked back on the far edge of the Magic Kingdom property between Fantasyland and Tomorrowland. Basically, if there was a back corner of the park, that's where this was. So the story of it is that Minnie and the gang are throwing a surprise party for Mickey, and guests are invited to board Mickey's Birthday Express, which was a themed locomotive, at the Mm. Main Street train station, and it would travel along the track, and they would have, like, different, like, things 
along the way. And it Mm. would stop at this brand new train station that no one had ever used before. It didn't exist before this. And you would disembark in birthday land. And so this was a temporary area just to celebrate Mickey's birthday. But for a temporary area, it's pretty cool. Like you had a train arrival. Like that's pretty Mm -hmm. awesome. The attractions in this area included Mickey's house, where you could visit his house. Mm Mm-hmm. Granny Duck's Farm, which was a petting zoo. Oh. The Surprise Party Show, which was like, you know, a little show where Minnie would come out and like they would throw a surprise party. You know, just like a a hokey little temporary show. And then Mickey's Hollywood Theater, where you can meet Mickey backstage. So this whole area was not designed to be permanent. It was mostly temporary facades, tents, and meet and greets. There weren't really like rides or anything like that there. They kept this celebration up for almost two years when in 1990 they decided to rename it Mickey's Starland and they rethemed it sort of like Duckburg from DuckTales, which like, awesome, because DuckTales is is great. But here's the thing. (laughs) The temporary flats and structures were just sort of like painted to portray some of the locations in Duckburg, which is like a city so literally you'd see like a facade that said duck county courthouse and then you'd enter a tent like it didn't make (laughs) sense at all like it just wasn't it didn't work (laughs) oh my god they had statues of scrooge mcduck and cornelius coot that were there and they had sort of like fountainy sort of things the petting zoo at granny duck's farm went away but granny duck's farm was still there because they just didn't get rid of it but most of the attention of the area was on the show. So they removed the birthday party show and it became Mickey's Starland show. And it was fun because it had some characters from the Disney TV shows like The Adventures of the Gummy Bears, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, Darkwing Duck. And then it also had some Roger Rabbit properties. Hmm. In 1996, though, it finally became Mickey's Toontown Fair after they decided that eight years of a temporary land might warrant some permanent features, God. attractions, and maybe for someone to try and make this weird section make some actual sense. <laughs> so basically the story was changed so that this was a vacation spot for the folks from Toontown and Disneyland to visit. All right. I don't know why they would be going to a fair as a vacation. Yeah, wait, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but okay. all right. So it was the only area in the park that really lacked some full immersion that Disney is known for. I mean, look up pictures of Mickey's Toontown yeah, Fair. Yeah, I remember it. It's really lacking, especially if you compare it to actual Toontown in Disneyland. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. Diet Toontown Zero sugar-free. Like, (laughs) that's what this was. So the biggest thing in Mickey's Toontown Fair was rebranding the area and making it a fair to say, oh, we're going to make these tents make some sort of sense. So all the Duckburg stuff was removed. The statue of Cornelius Coot, that remained there because they were Mm -hmm. like, okay, we can keep this. Yeah, I remember that. And then they made some new attractions and permanent structures for the area. So Goofy's Wiseacre Farm and the Barnstormer, which is a 60-second long kitty coaster. It's so short. They took the place of Granny Duck's Farm. You also had Donald's Boat, which was like a splash 
yeah. playground sort of area. Minnie's Country House got to go with Mickey's Country House. Yeah. There was some mildly better theming overall. At one point to the end of its life, there was a Pixie Hollow section where you could meet some characters from the Tinkerbell franchise. Yeah. It, Come they on. also had a Tinkerbell Pixie Hollow section in Epcot for like a hot moment. Yeah, too, I do remember that. Which like yeah. that never made sense to me, yeah. but it was kind of cool because like as you would enter the area, the things would get bigger. So it was like you were shrinking down to pixie size, which like that's kind of cool. But also like this belongs in Fantasyland. Yeah. But it doesn't belong in Mickey's Toontown Fair. And it sure as hell doesn't sit in Future no. World in Epcot. But I digress. Mickey's Toontown Fair officially closed on February 12th, 2011, as part of the new Fantasyland expansion mm-hmm. and retheming to Storybook Circus. So that's that's the history of this, this area. I really encourage y'all to go online, look up some pictures of all of these different iterations. While it was Starland, they did like a little like, holiday overlay where it became like christmas land like toy land or something like that Uh, they just didn't know what they were doing they really didn't (laughs) i mean maybe it was the same disney quest people working on this shit i don't know i was gonna say they were going through a little bit of a time (laughs) the 90s were rough like they started really strong with what this was and then they tried to make something that wasn't supposed to sit here stay and then it's like at the same time that they were creating incredible theatrical experiences like the Hunchback musical. It was just so uneven. Yeah. So uneven. (laughs) Yeah. It didn't make any sense. And they were also like building Animal Kingdom. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Whatever. So now I'm going to talk about some of my memories and my experience of this one. So ultimately, with the exception of the Barnstormer, which is a kiddie coaster, this is a walkthrough themed area with some playground elements. And it's also like four meet and greets and photos like that's what this is for Mm -hmm. i remember as a kid going to this area and being profoundly underwhelmed (laughs) and then whenever my grandparents would come with us we would always have to go there because my grandmother would always want us to get our picture with mickey and i'm like i don't give a rat's ass about seeing mickey i've seen him in phantasmic and that is enough for me i am here to do rides yeah he was in that blue ribbon tent section yeah i met him there yeah too. Which, yeah oh my god yeah, yeah. you stand in that line for hours with like yeah. kids screaming yep. and crying and i'm oh, like yeah i could be going on so many rides right yeah. now so as a kid going through it for the first time it can certainly be fun because it's like oh this is where mickey lives and like this is his phone and you can listen to it and there's like a voicemail and it's mini and it's yes like, oh, i remember fun. that like, <gasps> yeah like yeah that's fun one time but, like, to yeah. be a place that you would return to, yeah. it got to a point where my family and I, we would just skip it. Yeah. Oh, Over yeah. and over oh, and over yeah. again. Whenever mm-hmm. we could. As long as our grandparents weren't there. Because then we'd have to go. <laughs> but apart from meeting characters and getting soaked in the boat's water elements and, like, the barnstormer, there really wasn't anything to do. And those things weren't priorities for my family. We mm-hmm. were attractions people. We were show yeah. people. So this just felt like a dead halt in our trip whenever we would visit. Mm -hmm. I also remember the first time that I rode the Barnstormer waiting in line for close to an hour and my friends had hyped this shit and I had never gone. I think I was like six or something like that. And I was beyond pissed when after all of that waiting, 
This thing ended in, I shit you not, less than a minute. I went through and I was like, that's it? We're not even going to go a second time? I was so mad. I still feel the disappointment. Like, right now. I can feel it. Like, it sits right here, like, under my sternum. That's where the disappointment of the barnstormer lives. In later years, like like I said, it got to a point we'd skip this land altogether. It just felt like a time suck and a trap for park yeah. goers. Slash also, like, a haven for certain park goers who are looking to have a vastly different experience from my family. Mm-hmm. Like, people who who may not know what they're doing or who are only wanting to see characters and, like, just sort of do a general vibe. They're like, I'm going to stick in fantasy land, then we're going to go back and take a nap. Mm-hmm. So my rave is that I'm glad that this thing is gone. Mm. And I think the reason why I'm glad that it's gone has to do with a lot of what happened to it and the changes that came out of it. So one of the first things that I just want to say about this area is like, I'm glad it's gone because it's not Toontown in Disneyland. If anyone is listening and they are a Disneyland California person and they know Toontown, this is not that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Toontown in Disneyland California is a pretty well thought out land. It's not temporary facades that were sort of haphazardly turned into something they weren't meant to do or be. The theming in that area is generally just better. Everything is more deliberate and transformative in the way that Disney is meant to immerse you in their themed areas. And there's also like a nice flow to the entrance of Toontown between Fantasyland and the It's a Small World facade. Like, I don't know why, but it just sort of feels like it, that makes sense as a place mm-hmm. for it, where this it feels was like, more natural. Yeah. This was where Mr. Toad's Wild Ride was, which then became Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh and the teacups. And then it would mm-hmm. butt right up against the Tomorrowland Indie Speedway. And it's just yeah. like, what is going Like, not there's there was no flow whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Toontown in California also had the addition of the Roger Rabbit properties that never really sort of like cemented themselves here. So Toontown in California feels a little bit more fitting for some of those older guests looking to spend time there because Roger Rabbit was something that was Mm -hmm. a little bit older. I mean, look at Jessica Rabbit. Like that's not Uh being targeted (laughs) for your child. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like (laughs) it's, it's so it's just more inclusive as opposed to just being geared towards young guests and Mickey's Toontown fair was just really geared towards young guests. Like in Toontown in California, you've got the playgrounds, you've got the house walkthroughs, but you've also got the Roger Rabbit ride too, Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like just the addition of one more attraction in Toontown in California that isn't targeted at kids specifically immediately makes it feel more inclusive. It does wonders to make the area more attractive to guests of all ages. And Mickey's Toontown in California is the future site of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway for California. So yet another reason that this area pushes back on being just a kid's zone Mm. in a way that Mickey's Toontown Fair always struggled to do. Yeah. So I'm not shitting on Toontown having a valid place in the Magic Kingdom because I think it can. It clearly does in Disneyland. But Mickey's Toontown Fair was never Disneyland's Toontown. Mm Mm-hmm. So another change that happened as a result of Mickey's Toontown Fair getting gone was the new Fantasyland expansion. This was really what it sort of closed down for. So when Mickey's Toontown Fair was closed in 2011, 
It was so that Fantasyland could have its proper expansion. So getting rid of Mickey's Toontown Fair in order to make that possible is infinitely more attractive to me. Mm -hmm. At the expense of this area, we gained the possibility of Belle's Cottage. It's your dream. Your dream. Exactly. Beast Castle and Be Our Guest Restaurant. Gaston's Tavern. The Dwarf's Cottage and the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train Roller Coaster. Prince Eric's Castle and Under the Sea, The Journey of the Little Mermaid. A Little Mermaid dark ride that had been promised to us for years. Mm-hmm. Now, these structures of New Fantasyland aren't exactly where Mickey's Toontown Fair was. They're built back a little bit further where the Ariel's Grotto area was. And some of the walkways cut through areas of where Toontown Fair properties were. However... New Fantasyland really wouldn't have been possible without moving one iconic attraction, Uh and that is the Dumbo Ride. Right. So Uh. this sort of leads into Storybook Circus, which is what most of Mickey's Toontown Fair, that area, was rethemed to again Mm -hmm. in order to sort of, like, make some of it kind of work. So. It was rethemed again to create Storybook Circus, which is a sub-area of Fantasyland. The whole Mm -hmm. area is themed like a magical circus has arrived and blends much better with all of Fantasyland than Mickey's Toontown Fair, which felt like a separate thing, but also a sub-area. This very firmly feels like a sub-area. A lot of the theming in the area blends much better with the rest of Fantasyland. It's just so beautiful. It's very beautiful. It really is. I love it. So... While the area had been rethemed, a lot of the appeal of Mickey's Toontown Fair for the people who were like, but I love it, it's still there. Mm. So first off, the train station, which was this blue iron station that really wasn't anything special to look at. Oh my God, I remember it so well. It didn't really accommodate many people. And yeah, it it was just, it was bad. But that's been redone as the Fantasyland station, which was closed the last time I went because they were working on it. But now it's open. Y'all, look up this train station. It is a beautiful, like, brick and Tudor-style station that evokes some of the classic styles that are found throughout Fantasyland. Mm. So it brings some of the Tudor stuff that you see over by Peter Pan's flight, and it's a small world, mm. and puts it over on this side of Fantasyland, so it mm. feels more cohesive. Yeah. It it helps justify Storybook Circus. But one of the cool things is we see some more of the, like, iconic immersion theming that Disney does. So if you look at the Fantasyland station, they have like posters and signs up that say a circus has shown up in town. Mm. Like beautiful. We love it. It it helps introduce you to the storybook circus area, which is what you're going to see immediately when you disembark. It's great. We love it. We love it. We love it. We love it. Yeah. So the Mm -hmm. train station, we didn't lose the train station. That's a plus. Yep. The Barnstormer. If you love the Barnstormer, which I do not. It was rethemed to the sure? Barnstormer featuring the great Goofini. Goofini! So kept the ride, but <laughs> now you're riding the planes with a circus stuntman daredevil Goofy as opposed to Goofy who was running like an airplane <laughs> training ground on his Through farm. Through a barn. Yeah. Like, bad idea, Goofy. Like, of <laughs> many of your ideas, like, that's a really, really bad one. <laughs> but this one is like, makes a little bit more it's sense. cutie, Yeah. The Donald's Boat Splash area is reincarnated in the Casey Jr. Splash and Soak Station. So it's taking the Dumbo properties that are Mm. synonymous with Fantasyland and it's blending those in there. Yeah. 
Meet and greets remain in the form of Pete's Silly Sideshow, where you can meet Goofy, Donald, Daisy, Minnie, and Pluto. And they're in their various circus sideshow personas. Like, I, mm. I think Daisy or Minnie is like a fortune teller. Donald, I think, uh. is like a snake charmer or something like that. It's a fun way to see them outside of their traditional outfits. Yeah. Huh, like, I, I don't know. know. I think that's cool. Yeah. But perhaps the biggest change to this area was that the iconic Dumbo ride was moved to this location, clearing out some of the most prime real estate for New Fantasyland. So in doing this, they refurbished the Dumbo ride, which badly needed a refurbishment. Mm-hmm. And now it has water features. And you know I'm always in favor of a oh, yeah. water feature. Always. Oh, yeah. New paint schemes and the new location in Storybook Circus allowed them to install a second entire yes, ride they did. and an interactive queue that mm-hmm. is indoors. So it's amazing. It's amazing. It was this so is major, wonderful. Major, major, major. This ride is one of the most iconic rides of Disney parks, and families always ride this ride. I mean, hell, I always ride this ride. Me too, ride. yeah. But the old location was smack in the middle of Fantasyland under the hot Florida sun. And because of the nature of the ride, it isn't continuous loading. You load the folks on, they ride for the full like three and a half, four minutes of the ride, Mm -hmm. then they exit, then the next group comes in. So it's very, very slow going. In this new location, you move through the ride much faster because you have a whole second ride unit. So everything is like go instead of waiting for like four minutes to load the next group you're waiting like two minutes which that time is very very valuable and i don't know if it's like this anymore but i when i when they had first updated it i waited in line inside the tent and you also got to sit down like off the line and you would get buzzed you got to sit down so that's that's my next thing (gasps) plus so the queue is mostly indoors under a tent structure that is beautifully themed as a playground for kids. Yeah. You get a buzzer like you get at a restaurant and you can hang out and sit. You mm-hmm. can let your kids play in the circus tent. And then Brilliant. when it's your turn to ride the ride, you get buzzed, you gather your party, and then you report to one of the two loading areas and then you ride the ride. It's uh. honestly one of the best improvements of yep. quality of life in Fantasyland. Mm. I mean, hell, maybe even the entire park or yeah, the entire yeah. property. Yeah, I'm with like, it. This alone is worth saying bye-bye to Mickey's Toontown Fair. Like, uh-huh, I agree. It's fantastic. And now Dumbo Ride is gone, and now we can get all of our beautiful storybook lands in New Fantasyland. Mm, mm, oh. But my third change that happened with Mickey's Toontown Fair being next that I love is the fact that they moved the Mickey meet and greet to Main Street, USA. So, like I said, in Storybook Circus, you have Pete's Silly Sideshow where you can meet all of, like, the Fab Five type of characters, except for Mickey Mouse. One of the last changes that's just such a great improvement is that they moved Mickey from the back of the park to the front of the park. And now he's in the Town Square Theater just off of Main Street, USA. For guests who are going at that different pace than me, who wants to prioritize, like, going on rides, and these people want to prioritize seeing Mickey with their kids and whatnot, to have him right there in the first area is a big deal, Mm -hmm, convenience-wise. And for the rest of us 
who are trying to get to the other parts of the park, that helps filter out a good portion of people who were previously all moving in the same direction the entire length of the park Mm -hmm. and just clustering and crowding in the same areas as us as we're all hustling to get through Fantasyland. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big deal. Like they're trying to get through Fantasyland to see Mickey and we're trying to get through Fantasyland to just, like ride some of the rides. Now like I don't know, maybe a nice 5% of the population is just like all sticking around Main Street. Yeah. I love that. I'll take yeah. 5% less people in Fantasyland in the mm-hmm. morning. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. It's also great because To separate him from the rest of those Fab Five characters, it allows the folks who care less about seeing Mickey and more about seeing those other Fab Five characters, they now have a separate place to go. And the people who are like, I don't care about the rest of the Fab Five characters and I just want to see Mickey, it allows people to do more of what they want to do and like get on with the next thing, Mm, which is great. Yeah. But ultimately, Mickey's Toontown Fair is definitely something that I remember from my childhood. Yeah. Like, I, really I will do. not forget it. Vividly, But yeah. losing it for all of these improvements was so worth it. If they told mm. me that they were going to do it all again, I would be like, do it, burn it down. I, like, <laughs> bless. Blessings be upon you. Because I can get a Toontown fix in California. And the best parts of Mickey's Toontown Fair, they've been rethemed. And this place wasn't meant to be permanent from the start. Yeah. We've got all the things that really mattered. They got rid of all the other stuff. We got beautiful new fantasy land. And for a Toontown that like actually carries some like oomph, you just go to Disneyland. And Storybook Circus gives you a little bit of a similar vibe in just the classiest, most beautiful way. It's so It's really very classy. Like they really like the tents that were there for Mickey's Toontown Fair are not... The tents that are there for Storybook oh, Circus. These things no. are like nice. They are uh, beautiful, like nice, rich color scheme that's very yes. well thought out. That blends with the the whole area. Like it's yep. it's nice. It's nice. It's nice. So that's my that's my rave. I'm glad it's uh, gone. I could and not agree more. Rid of it. Oh, thank you, thank you. Woof! Yeah. I'm so glad they made their way out of that. I don't know. Early two thousands. 2010s just struggle. <laughs> yeah, they really struggled. Then they sort of like hit a nice little stride with some of their improvements. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then now we're sort of in this other rut where yep, they yep, can't yep. seem to finish anything and everything takes like 10 times longer than any other park mm-hmm. in the world to make. And we're I'm looking like, at I you, don't know Tron roller coaster. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, yeah. why? No. I'm like, I thought Harmonious would be, like, open by now. Yeah. The Ratatouille expansion of France, like, it's ready to go. Yeah. Just open it. I know. <laughs> open I know. it, please. <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. That's our rant and our rave. Thank you very much for joining us. If you liked what you listened to... Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to the podcast. Giving us those five-star ratings and reviews, it really helps us reach new people who might love the podcast. And we read all of them. And Thank they, you for your sweet so reviews. <laughs> we, we need the, those little boosts oh. to sort of get us through. So <laughs> thank you if you've left one. And if you haven't, you know, 
tap the five stars and and write a couple nice things so that someone who's scrolling by might see what you have to say and, you know, hit play. Yeah. And thank you to all of you who are following us on social media as well. Um, we are at Poor Unfortunate Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you to everyone on Instagram who has been voting in all of our polls. We've kind of been doing a Instagram story poll version of the Beluga Savruga Brackets. Thank you so much to everyone who's been voting, been yeah, messaging been us when they're outraged with the results. Yeah. <laughs> we are, we understand. Yeah, we did not control those results. No, 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 I mean, no. If you want Caroline our opinions, did please check that the episode. Spaceship Earth uh, Dino Institute fiasco, which <laughs> I will, I, I cannot stand with you on no, that. I will. I have no regrets. I will full on throw you to the wolves on that. <laughs> If you please, if you are a new listener, we we urge you to listen to the Beluga Savruga brackets. Um, but yes, thank you to everyone on social media. If you're on Twitter, we are at Unfortunate Pod. And if all of this makes you feel like you have just found your people or you want to talk to more people about all of this Disney stuff, please join the Poor Unfortunate Fam, which is our private Facebook group. We have wonderful conversations in there every week. We take quizzes. We give our Disney opinions. And we've just gotten so close with all of our friends in there. And so we would love to have you join us. Yeah. And if you have any questions or comments and you're not on social media, feel free to shoot us an email. We're at poorunfortunatepodcast at gmail.com. And then, as I always say, it does take us some money to keep this podcast up and running and coming to you all. We do have a PayPal account, and you can find the link in the episode description or in any of our website links on our social media accounts. Truly, anything that you have to offer goes a long way. You can make a $5 donation, a $10 donation. You can make it one time. You can make it monthly. All of it just goes right back into the podcast to make sure that we are giving you all the things that you want to listen to and just, you know, cover the basic costs of staying afloat. So. We do it all out of love and we love bringing it to you. So thank you. Thank you for being for being with us. And mm. if you have a couple bucks, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Beluga Savruga. Savruga.